All right. Thank you again for um, joining us tonight. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Stacy in just a moment. Um, but I just wanted to, to thank you again for coming to the Global Math Department um, webinar. Uh, we are priding ourselves on being able to provide free professional development for math teachers um, and also being friendly and supportive. So our chat room is available uh, for topical and general conversation throughout the meeting. I will catch your questions for the presenter, so don't worry that she won't notice it in the chatter. Um, and tonight, our speaker is Stacy Roshan. Uh, she is the Director of Innovation and Educational Technology at the Bullis School and the author of Tech with Heart, Leveraging Technology to Empower Student Voice, Ease Anxiety, and Create Compassionate Classrooms. She's passionate about bringing innovative tools into the classroom to create a safe learning environment for all students to find their voice and build confidence. Her work has been featured in USA Today, The Washington Post, CNN, and the PBS NewsHour. She was, has also been named Teacher of the Future by NAIS, in addition to teaching high school students to love and understand math. Stacy works closely with faculty to design tech-infused lessons aimed at providing the optimal learning environment for all students. Um, so with that, um, I'm going to turn it over to Stacy and um, thank you again, everyone, for being um, patient with this. And um, hopefully, all this double screen sharing will work great. Um, so, with that, I need to move this and share my desktop. And we'll Go from here. All right. So hopefully everybody can hear me now. Um, I think we're good. All right. So thank you guys for bearing with any technical difficulties. Hopefully this is going to work. Um, and most of this will be interactive through the Meridac. Um, so you will be able to follow along. All right, thank you for the yeses in the chat. You can hear that is fantastic. All right, so I'm going to show some of the work that um, I've done with my math students over the year, uh, over the years, and you can follow along in the Pear Deck with me. And the beginning part will be more of me sharing some of the work that we've done. Um, and then I will take you through Pear Deck, which is what I'm using to present, to show how I have done some of this interactivity and how I've built it into these slides so that you can experience it from the student end. So just to begin, I wanted to show one quick example of, you know, I do teach high school. Um, I should have started with that. I teach AP Calculus right now. I have taught it in a purely online setting and also teach it in a flipped classroom. And I've been flipping my math classroom since 2010. And my evolution has helped me shift some of this um, ownership to 
students as we're able to free up class time for really discussion and for me to hear what students need. And I think that has been very joyful for me in providing more time for students to talk out their thinking and for me to be able to join in on their discussions instead of me just having to be at the front of the board for most of the time. And so here is one little sample activity that I just wanted to start with to show. Um, I am going to be talking about Paradeck today and you guys are following along in my Paradeck. And that is one mode where it is instructor pace, but there's also a self-paced mode where students can work through the slides on their own at home. This has been very helpful for me right now to provide some asynchronous lessons. And what I've done is built in a kind of multimodal thing where students are also responding in Flipgrid. And I, it's another tool that I'm going to show you today um, where students can record a response so I can have them talk it out in task one. Then in task two, I might have them use a drawing tool to show me a visual, uh, visual representation of maybe a multiplication problem in this case. And then we can go into an explanation, a reflection question. And so this is kind of just showing you some of the pieces that I'm going to show in the webinar today. This is kind of putting them all into one place. So the first tool that I want to show is Flipgrid, which is a video discussion platform. And it is an easy way to hear from all different students in the class. One thing that has been most remarkable for me about using Flipgrid more in the classroom is I thought that I had certain students who were more vocal and certain students who just weren't as vocal um, and verbal. But in creating Flipgrid activities like this, I soon realized that it wasn't that they weren't vocal. It was just that maybe they didn't feel comfortable raising their hands in the classroom and talking to the full class. But when I gave them an environment to record themselves and express themselves, maybe they were recording at home um, or just in a quiet space by themselves, they were able to suddenly verbalize all of this for me. And so here is an example of an activity. We do these each about once a week um, and before every quiz and every test, students, all they do is write on a piece of paper. There's no high tech involved in this at all. And then they verbalize their math thinking. So it looks kind of like this. X squared plus one times Y prime equals XY. You first divide out by X squared plus one on the other side and then divide by Y to get one over Y convert your one. So really nothing fancy there at all, except that students are pressing this plus button, they're signing in with their school account. And then from there, they are going to just pull up a video of myself right now. So hi, everyone. Um, but they're doing this with a phone. And so they're literally hovering their phone over their piece of paper at this time. And they're talking through their math thinking process. And so for me, that has been an amazing way to hear how students are really thinking through problems um, and thinking through the process. 
Um, I'm looking at the chat right now. I'm seeing a lot of people saying that they are not hearing sound. Is I hope most people are hearing sound. There have been some comments with yes. Okay, great. Um, okay, I'll keep going then. So beyond just in my classroom, so we kind of build it up. Um, the first couple of activities, students are just responding to me. Then they are critiquing their classmates because they get better at this type of activity and they are learning more. Um, but then at the end of the year, something that I've done the last couple of years, this year has been different, so we haven't done it this year, but um, creating a collaboration with some teachers outside of my school, especially in AP Calculus, as we are prepping for the AP exam, we need to do the three response questions and they've become pretty repetitive. Um, and so one way to get students more, not just involved in it, but also just creating better answers and explaining their work better has been to create a Flipgrid collab with a school outside of our own. And so the goal here is that the first student solves part 1A of the problem. And then the next student will log in and see that 1A has been done. They are, they are given like three nights to do this assignment. So then the next person will do part 1B. And in order to do 1B, they will have had to watch the previous student's response. So it gets students to hear how other kids are solving problems, not even just in our school, outside of our school. They pick up from that and then they add on. And so in that way, we solved, you know, a full, we got through four different questions in this particular one. And then after that, students went back and they watched each other's and they did a reply. So these little videos here are replies. I will be doing question number one, part C. For when T is more than 300, what is the first, is 80, we can use that. So that was the original student's video and then we had replies. So Cassidy, clearly you got the right answer. So in this way, students were able to say, okay, yeah, you got the right answer, but I approached it a little bit differently and here's what I did, or you solved it in a way that I wouldn't have thought of, or I did it the exact same way. So it's been a neat way for students to start seeing how other people think through problems. Um, but also to express their thinking out loud, which is a very, very difficult task for them to do, but um, it helps them learn the process so much better. As teachers, we all know how much better we get over the years just because we practice explaining it aloud so many times over. So this is that um, project. And if you have logged in, to the Pear Deck today, you will be getting these slides afterwards. All of them will be sent to you and all the links that I am sharing will also be available to you. So just so you have signed into the Pear Deck and if you um, were not able to sign on, you would just go to joinpd.com and type in this code at any point and then you'll be able to get the slides after the fact. Um, I did see somebody put into the chat, what if somebody does it wrong and that is a really great question. Usually I um, review students work ahead of time just to make sure it's right. In this case, they were asked to already review the scoring guidelines to make sure that the question was correct. Sometimes if a student gets gets it incorrect, 
Um, I will hide their response in Flipgrid. I have the control in my Flipgrid from the teacher standpoint to show and hide responses. And I might hide a student response until they make a correction. And we've already built that trust where a student knows that if their response gets hidden, it's just because we need to fix something up. It's not because, you know, like we're allowed to make mistakes and, you know, just building that safe culture of you can make mistakes and it's fine and we'll correct it together. Um, that's something that we've done in, in my classroom. But normally I do just check their work or I give them solutions so they can check it ahead of time so that we have correct answers. Um, sometimes I just want to hear how students are solving problems. And in that case, what I do in Flipgrid is I make the responses hidden. And what I mean by that is let me go ahead and log in so I can just show you. I can moderate responses and moderated responses mean that they don't show up on the grid for every student to see. So when I go to create a new topic, what I do here is I turn video moderation on just like that. And I will still be able to see all of the video responses. This one's moderated, for example, and I can see all the responses. This is just me testing it and showing it, but I can toggle it active or hidden. So that when students go to this grid, this is the same grid, you'll see nothing is there because I've kept all the responses hidden. And the reason I do that is because I only want to hear the videos from my students. I don't want the rest of the class to hear them, but I still want to be able to give students feedback on their uh, video. And I can still do that privately through using this little commenting feature, or I can send video feedback directly to the student. So that's more of a private type of thing where students are making mistakes. I know they're making mistakes. It's part of our learning process. So hope that answered that question. Thank you. All right, so uh, these links right here are again, if you're signed into the Pear Deck, you're gonna get all of this later and you will have all those links if you wanna look back on any of it. And if you've not used Flipgrid before, I just left some links for some getting started videos that I've created, some ideas that I have there. All of this are just resources really for you for to look at later. Um, I saw a question about what's the code. You would go to joinpd.com and here is our code right here, M-C-U-K-P. It's right here, still in the corner. All right. So the next thing that I want to jump into is one of my favorite quotes that came from the book, Make It Stick. When you practice elaboration, there is no known limit to how much you can learn. Elaboration is the process of giving new material meaning by expressing it in your own words and connecting it with what you already know. The more you can explain about the way your new learning relates to your prior knowledge, the stronger your grasp of the new learning will be and the more connections you will create that help you remember it later. I share this with my students at the beginning of the year. I share it throughout the year. It has become a real piece of our class. And this is one of the projects that I've created based on that idea. Um, we are using Sutori to create this. It doesn't have to be in Sutori. That is just a web app that I really like because it's so simple and it looks like a timeline. 
And the goal of this project is we do this at a couple of times in the year. This particular one that I'm showing right now was done after the first trimester. We're on a trimester system. And what students are asked to do is to take old work that they had done at the beginning of the year and now solve it with new information that they know. So they're relating the old to the new. So I'm going to take you directly to this project little bit bigger so you can see it. So for example, this student first started with the product and quotient rules and said, I chose to do a limit problem because throughout the year we've learned multiple different methods of finding tangent lines and continuous rates of change and velocity equations. So what they did here is they showed a picture of their original attempt of the problem, which we had done in chapter two. And then now when we had found, you know, how to the, actually the limit definition of the derivative. We have also learned L'Hopital's rule. You know, there's so many different ways that we now know to solve the original question that we had. And so the students are now resolving the problem and doing that, not just resolving it, but also giving me a little blurb about why they would solve it differently in this way. Um, in addition, they just embed some of the flip grids that they've done throughout the year so that they can look back on those or um, talk about, you know, what skills they currently have that they didn't have when they had done these problems originally. And what I love about this project is not just that, you know, students are solving the problem, they're going back and they're resolving problems, but it also requires them to actually look back at the old problems and reflect on what we were doing in chapter two in this case and how it relates to chapter three that we're in right now and make those connections that they never would have made before because uh, you know students aren't going to look back at chapter two work unless they have a reason to look back at chapter two work and what this requires students to do is not only look back on that prior work but also to identify what problems they could resolve more efficiently now versus the problems that, because not every problem can be resolved more efficiently, right? And so kind of get into that mindset and, and take their, their learning to that next deeper level. Um, and for me to help them kind of make those connections, but they have to start it. Um, and I can then help them and guide them. So this has been one of the projects that we do throughout the year and we build on it and they get better at it and i think this has been really helpful as an ap teacher in getting them prepared for the ap exam in a different way um so that is the sutori project and again i i'm using sutori which you can use it for free um the premium features allow you to like embed so this, in this year, we had the premium. In some years, we haven't had premium, and then kids can still upload snapshots and still add the text. So it is a tool that can be used for free and pretty robustly. So it is just a timelining tool, but it worked well for this project. So I'm going to just ask you to go in back to that pair deck that you have open and just go ahead and drag your dot to let me know how you're feeling at this point. Okay. <laughs> Most people, it seems like, are doing good. And I think I'll 
move on. Seems like maybe a little bit confused, but keep going. We'll keep going for a little bit. And then I will pause and go over some of this, how this is all working. So at this point, um, I'm going to show a little bit more about the Pear Deck, um, which you guys are in and you're seeing. Um, that was the first interactive question type that you've seen, which was just the draggable slides type. Um, there are, again, two modes in Pear Deck. A lot of people know Pear Deck as a tool where I'm moving you through the slides, um, but there's also a student-paced version. And so what I liked doing in some of the student-paced ones, I started with this, but I'm going to show you a different activity in my AP Calculus class where I wanted to ramp them up to really understanding these optimization problems. And so this is the activity that I had them do. So here was a problem that we had to do, maximizing the volume of this open box question. So the first question is just getting them to understand. Let's draw a picture, let's label the information. So I personally have a Wacom tablet, so I can draw on my screen and draw very precisely. Um, of course, not all students are going to have a device where they can actually draw with a pen. So, you know, but I can still always ask them to like draw a shape, to label the information they can highlight on here um, so that I can see what they're doing and I get all of this information without them needing to press a submit button. And that's something that I really like. I can get all this information in real time as they're doing it. And then just ramping them through this problem, right? Because if I just gave the, this question to students to solve on a piece of paper, they might get stuck. So I'm trying to anticipate some of the places they might get stuck and helping them through. So helping them think through, okay, what am I actually trying to optimize? Let's write a formula for that. Usually they can get through that part when I ask them to break it down into each individual steps. Well, now, what is this helper information that you have? That's not technical at all, but that's what I call it in our class. And they know they can follow along with me. We get there. And then it's like, okay, now you've completed those tasks. You've kind of identified some things. Now talk it out with me. So then students will talk it out. They'll tell me what they have identified, what their strategy is for tackling the problem at this point. So usually kids can get through all of this, and then some of them can now do this next step, which is like actually write out your full justification and your full problem. Um, some of my students in the classroom, they actually have these little Wacom tablets. So this activity was one where they were able to take these home and they were able to actually write with their tablet. I have a tablet, so you know I can write really precisely with my tablet. Um, I'm forgetting what the whole problem was, but you know I can write really precisely because I have a pen tablet and my students did for this activity. But in other cases, I've just asked them to like upload a screenshot of their final work. The point here is just ramping them up to these larger understandings and giving them multiple ways to express their thinking and then summarize their knowledge at the end of it. And so creating more activities like this has been really helpful in my classroom um, and especially helpful in our remote setting to still be able to hear from students who are getting stuck because 
Um, they can feel quite defeated when they just hand in, you know, a piece of paper where they weren't able to finish any of those problems. This gives me a way to allow students to share with me their thought process and what they had done successfully, and then allow me to see, well, where are they actually getting stuck? So, again, if you are interested later, you can explore some of these links on your own and you'll be able to get into these activities. And then um, I'm gonna share a little bit more about Pear Deck now, but I do also have these resources for you to look at after the fact, like how do I start get started with Pear Deck if I've never used it before. I'm going to run you guys through Pear Deck from the student end, so you're gonna be able to see that today um, and interact with it, but these resources will help you get started from the teacher end also. So, are we ready to move on? Let's move back into the Pear Deck and just thumbs up, thumbs down, anywhere on the spectrum that you are. Awesome. I want to show one Pear Deck feature now that you guys are in there. I'm going to give you 30 more seconds to solve this. And so I oftentimes use that little countdown timer just to, to time warm-ups. I don't want students to ever feel pressured for time, but sometimes, you know, we only have 10 minutes at the start of class to do the warm-up, and that helps me pace things. And you will see as soon as this countdown timer runs out, it's going to lock your screen and draw your attention back to me. So it's a little cue to students. All right, I had time. Let's bring it back to the board. Now let's look back at the teacher's screen. In the classroom, it would be the projector. Um, and let's see how everybody was doing on this. So if you turn your attention back to my screen, you'll see that it. Um, I can hide and show responses just like this. And how I activated that countdown timer was I just clicked on Bars in my way. I clicked on this unlock screens and lock screens and you just hold it down and that allows you to set a timer and it gives you a 30 second, one minute and three minute timer that you can turn off and turn on. So I really just want to say before we get into, you know, more playing in the pair deck that I'm sharing with you what tools have worked in my classroom I really firmly believe it's not just about the tools, but why you're using them. So for me, Paradox has allowed me to get to know my students on a much deeper, more personalized level to hear from every student in the classroom um, and to be more effective in getting to around to students and know what students need what. Um, in addition, everybody has to contribute in the Paradox. And so that gives me that opportunity to um, hear from absolutely everybody in the class instead of just the ones who are raising their hand. And back to, um, you know, I wrote this book, Tech with Heart. And to me, one of the most essential questions is how can we shift from this versus best culture to one that sends the message that everyone's voice matters and that everyone has the potential to excel in the classroom. And that's how I start the book. To me, Paradeck has been one of the essential tools that doesn't just require me to call on the students who are raising their hand. It does not require students to necessarily be able to verbalize on the spot. For me as a student, I always loved math. 
but knowing how to respond to the teacher right when the question was being asked on the board, I wasn't always ready. I am a slower processor. I'm an analytical thinker. You give me a couple minutes and I've got the answer. But if you're asking me to solve within a minute, I can't do it. I just can't. And so allowing students to kind of be able to respond in paradigm, allow them to have three minutes to maybe solve a couple of problems um, and to shift through that at the pace that best fits them. And then for us to be able to bring it on the board has been a game changer for me. It's the type of classroom that I needed, um, but we didn't have that technology when I was a high schooler. And so um, again, this has been one of the tools that has met my needs the best. And that's why I wanna share it with you today. So when I say vocal in classroom discussion, it doesn't just mean to me like raising your hand and speaking up. At the same time, it doesn't just mean hiding behind a computer screen. So right now, for example, I'm going to allow you to contribute to our uh, class in the Paradeck in just a moment. However, um, that you know, to me, I some of our students are still best when they are called on. And so I don't shy away from still allowing students to chime in and just raise their hand. But the kids who need that space to just write on the Pear Deck or to just type in that window, I'm going to allow them to contribute to our class conversation in a way that they may not have been able to before. And so that is what I want to express here. Um, and also just the fact of here is one where all my students, again, they had this tablet where they were writing their answers. That's why their handwriting looks so neat here. They weren't just writing with a mouse, but I can pull all those responses up on the board. And so we can see as a class how everybody was thinking through this problem. And not everybody always gets to the same spot, but we can analyze the mistakes. It's anonymous in Paragraph. There's no names attached to these responses. And all students can feel comfortable contributing, knowing that their response is going to be there. But I can comfortably allow students um, to respond without their name attached to it so that they can make mistakes. Mistakes are part of our classroom culture. And this becomes a way for them to get more comfortable with that um, and for them to see that we all think differently through the process. And it's more about the process than it is about that student answer at the end. All right, so now is going to be your time to interact. So go ahead, and we're in a math webinar, so I expect that many of us are going to know what the graph of x equals 2 looks like. But I'm going to show you an activity where I kind of ramp students up to understanding how to get this graph. So at this point, I'm showing all responses. And there's different views here. So here, I can go one by one, like this, and I can show all responses. I can also do a grid layout where I can see a lot of responses coming in like this, and I can see that happening in real time, just like this. <laughs> Thanks. This is such a math teacher response. It's this, not this. I love it. And then another view that I can show, which can work really well for graphing type problems, is an overlaid grid where we can see class consensus here. And I can say, all right, this is great. Most of us are seeing this, but a couple of us are doing this. 
why might, and at this point I'm gonna lock your screens just to pull your attention back up here. Um, but, you know, we can analyze, well, why are two people thinking, or three people thinking that the graph looks like this? Why might they have this misconception? And so now we can talk about that as a class. So there's these different group views again. The list layout is great to go one by one. If I want to pull up just one individual student and say, all right, let's talk about this uh, fantastic pink response. As a teacher, I can kind of look at a bunch of what students are doing in this layout here, which is the grid layout, and then there's this overlaid layout. So if I was ramping students up on this one, I would, you know, if a bunch of students got it wrong, I would say, all right, well, let's break it down. Let's place our dot on the point two four, and let's see what's happening there. And so this is another question type, which is a draggable response type, which dragging obviously your dot and I can have one dot like here. I'm gonna move you guys along. I can also have three different dots. So I can say, put your red dot on two four, put your green dot on two negative four, place your blue dot on two zero. And then we can see if we have class consensus, again, we can go one by one through student responses to see how everybody's doing and to talk about it. And then after that, we might dig into, all right, do you notice any patterns? What do you see? What do you notice? Um, and now let's think back to what the graph of x equals two might look like um, as well. There is the um, text type drawing, or drawing, the text type slides. And so here, I just wanted to demo, you know, one where you can actually be typing in text. And then you can see here that, again, I can see all students writing in real time. So as they're writing, I can see it. There's no submit button, and I love that. And there's different views again here. I can see it kind of this grid view, or I can go one by one. And typically, this is what I do. I have students respond, then I lock the screens to bring their attention back to the board so they can't type anymore. Then we talk about certain correct, incorrect responses. We talk about it as a class. And then I usually unlock the screens again to allow students to make any corrections or any mental notes to themselves before we move to the next slide. Um, and then at the end of class, I always end with a reflection and I am going to end with a reflection again today. Um, but I'm going to just talk for a couple more minutes, then get into some Q and A's and give you some time to reflect also. Um, but I wanted to show you what Pear Deck looks like. So Pear Deck is an add-on for Google Slides. I did see some people asking, is this free, is this paid? We have a site-wide subscription at our school. So many of the features that I'm showing you, um, I'm just logged in here to show you what the free one allows. Um, you can see here that there are stars. The drawing and the draggable are both paid um, features. The text, the multiple choice, the number, and being able to get a website, those are free options. The other thing that is a paid option is what you were seeing us, what you were seeing me do tonight was just me showing the responses with no names attached. What I can do with a paid account is I can go back later and I can go in to get the actual um, 
teacher dashboard and this teacher dashboard would allow me to see student names attached and I can review that after class. That is a paid feature. Um, if you are interested in exploring Pear Deck and its, and its possibilities, they are a company that is offering free licenses right now to all schools um, with all this remote learning going on. Um, but normally it is a paid um, subscription and you can get a site license. The site license, if your school is up for it, is much cheaper than an individual license. Um, and then also with the paid one, and I, this is answering a question that I just saw pop up, what you can do is after the lesson, which is what you guys are gonna get afterwards, is when I end this session, I can do something called publishing the takeaways. And publishing student takeaways means that all students will get a Google Doc with all of their answers along with all the slides. So they'll get all the slides with all the answers that they've submitted. And that's what you guys will get after the session today. Um, and so each individual student gets their own Pear Deck uh, Google Doc. And that is automatically shared with just a student and me as a teacher. So me as a teacher, I get a copy of all of those Google Docs. So if I want students to go back and like make revisions in the Google Doc after, I want to comment in a Google Doc after, you can um, do that. So this is how I build my slides. I start with just building the slides like this. And then when I want to ask a question, if I want to ask you guys a question on this specific slide, I would hit, if I want it to be text, I just hit text. That's it. It's going to add this little bottom bar, add interactivity, and that's it. It adds this little bottom bar, and that means that it's a text type um, of a question. Then I press start lesson right here, and that's where I was able to give you guys a join code at the beginning. So. Um, this is one of my favorite tools to, to use. So I'm going to leave this screen up here where you can jot down some notes if you would like to, because remember, you're going to get these slides afterwards with all of your answers that you've given. So if you want to jot down any notes for yourself to take a look at afterwards, go ahead and do that. And I want to make sure that I have enough time for the Q&A. So I'm going to go ahead and get into that now. All right, so, all right, so yes, I talked a lot about the paid version of Pear Deck, um, but you can do, you can still do the text responses. Um, hopefully I answered most of that question. Uh, the new audio in Pear Deck, I am thrilled about the new audio in Pear Deck, and let me tell you why I'm most thrilled about it. So it just allows the teacher to record audio. It's not for students. Um, that's add audio to slide right here. But why I'm so thrilled about it is because I think it is so much better to start the lesson with a message to students. So a lot of times I was like making a video to introduce students to the assignment. And now I can just add an audio to this slide that I was giving anyway. The reason I say that is because some students read the directions, but most students skim through it. And when you can just give a little audio clip of this is what the assignment is about. This is why you're doing it. This is what I expect of you. That little audio clip can make all the difference. And especially in this remote learning setting, I think the more verbal cues you can give students, little video clips, even a one minute video clip, it just feels a little bit more personal and it gives that 
its voice um, and makes students feel connected in a different way. So I am most thrilled about the audio just right now to even give an intro to the lesson. This is the intro to the lesson and that might be the only time that I'm using it in there and that's okay with me. Um, do you have similar results from non-AP students? I will tell you that I'm only teaching AP students right now. Um, and so a lot of the newer tools that I've been using have been just with my AP classes from my personal standpoint. But I've been using um, some of these tools with other teachers um, because I get to work with teachers K through 12 actually um, at my school. Most of my role is working with teachers and helping them integrate some of the technology into their classes. Flipgrid has been a winner with many different classes. Now I will say that using the Flipgrid and having students verbalize their responses, depending on their level, it's going to be really, really, really challenging um, for them to know what verbalizing their response means. So the first couple for, especially with the non-honors classes and non-AP classes, um, in particular, it's like a new challenge um, and a new way of having to express their what they're doing. And quite honestly, the first couple of times we did this with one of the teachers that I worked with, it was literally like the student was reading verbatim from their paper, like X plus two equals five, and then the next step and the next step. And there was no real reasoning or justification behind it, but it wasn't because the student wasn't trying their best. It was just that they hadn't reached that level of mastery yet. And so I think that's the thing is that some of these activities just take, in, in an AP classroom, I can get my students here in a month, but it's gonna take a much longer time to get my students to this uh, stage if they're in a different level class. And so I think that's really it, the amount of like, uh coaching we need to do with our students to get them there and just recognize that that there's a lot of coaching that goes into this i've done this with our lower school um math coordinator she is doing some amazing stuff with our students where they are verbalizing their thinking process as they are adding numbers as they are multiplying numbers um and just being better at mental math and talking about that and expressing it to one another. So I think that's, it's, it's different. Are the questions Googleable? So, you know, like that is, okay, this is a great question for right now, I think, because one of the things that we've talked about is like, how do I assess my students' understanding right now when most of the questions I'm giving are Googleable or they can take a snapshot of it in photo math and it will give them a step-by-step -step solution process. The thing with, having them do a flip grid, for example, is it is so apparent whether a student understands that process or not. And so that has been a game changer for some of us right now at my school. Um, we have been doing flip grid assessments. So instead of just having students do, you know, like normally they would solve five to seven questions on their assessment, Instead of that, just giving them one or two questions where they actually have to make a flip grid response. So yes, they could look up the answer, they could Google it, but if they are able to verbalize why they did what they did, they've reached a level of mastery that I'm personally choosing to assess for right now at this time. It's the best that we can do. And um, I will say it takes longer in some ways to grade those, but, um, 
it, you get real insight into what students are thinking. So that's been good. Uh, if there's an incorrect answer, students can explain why they disagree with the answer. Totally. I love that. Um, yes, so many good ideas. This would work with two rights and a wrong. Is it possible for us to try Flipgrid as students? So when you go to Flipgrid, you would go in as an educator. So it would look like this, basically. And then what you can do is you just click on this flip code right here, and it will pull up view as student. So as soon as you click that, you will see what it looks like on the student end. This is what students see versus this is what I see. Um, there are a lot of public Flipgrid combos that you can join if you want to practice recording videos. Yes, follow Flipgrid on Twitter. There's so many good things happening there. Um, OneNote is a great one to also use. Um, and there is a OneNote class notebook where it could be more collaborative. Um, that's a great idea also. How many students do I have? Good question. Um, I teach at an independent school and our class size is around 15 students. So I have pretty small classes. How does the teacher view look from the Pear Deck slides when they submit their responses? So there's two different views in Pear Deck. One of them is the projector view, which is what I was showing you throughout this webinar. Um, so this is just the projector view and no student names are attached to this. So this is the teacher end versus the student end looks like what you guys were seeing. So I can actually pretend that I'm a student for a moment. So this is what it looks like as a teacher, like this. And then as a student, it's going to look like this, the side-by-side -side view. And then later what I can do is I can go in to the dashboard. Now this is only paid, open it in a new window. And then I'm going to see everybody's names attached to all of the responses here. Um, I can always access, I don't know, this is just taking long right now. I can also access all of this after the fact. So I can always go in, so see here you can see that names are actually attached in this view. I can always access that information by going to paradeck.com and then signing in as an educator and I can see all of my sessions that I've previously done. So go in there and I can see all of my sessions that I've ran in the past and I can open them up. I have two different views, a projector view, again, no names attached. I have the teacher dashboard view with the names attached. That's how that works. Um, Do you have the basics of your classroom format for students to get used to the process? I am a creature of routine, so we tend to have routines in my classroom. Um, and I start class, my normal method is that we start class with the with a paradox or an Ed Puzzle. So students watch my flip classroom videos in Ed Puzzle. Ed Puzzle is a way to add interactivity into any YouTube videos that you assign and so that allows me to kind of do little learning checks with my students and so I usually pull that up on the board 
Um, we do once or twice a week, we do a Paradox warm up. And on those days, students would have known in advance and they get ready, they get signed in and we just get going with that. So there's a lot of routines and I ramp this up. In the first month, I do not introduce all of this. We don't even start doing flip grids in the first month of school at all. We do it in the second month where they're just doing it private with me. And then we do class ones and then we take it to like commenting on one another. So it's a gradual process. Um, okay. I see that we're running out of time. Um, this went by super quick. I didn't get through all of the questions, but I do want to say, um, before we, we do close that, um, if you have any questions at all, if you are on Twitter, I am on Twitter at BuddyXO, and you can tweet me there anytime. Um, you can also email me, um, and my email is just my first and last name, no spaces, at Gmail. If you have any questions, I am more than happy to share any and all experiences I have um, with any of you who um, can benefit from it. So please, if you are on Twitter, I love interacting on Twitter and sharing there. Again, my Twitter handle is at BuddyXO. And I also have a blog if you want to check that out. I post a lot of these examples there. But you will get all of these slides shortly after the session. It, it might take up to a half an hour to actually process and share them all with you. Um, but hopefully um, you all learned a lot from this. Thank you all for joining for all of your Great questions today. I'm sorry for any of the technical difficulties. I hope you were able to hear all right. And thank you for joining us today. Yeah, I just want to extend that. Thank you so much for sharing, Stacey. And thank you so much for being flexible. Of course, the one that's on educational technology, we had to use two different pieces of technology to um, host this. Um, and I do ask for excuse for my dog. I just got a rescue on Saturday and we're adjusting. Um, so hence some of the barking, but thank you everyone for joining us tonight. Um, next week, we're going to have Chase Orton um, talk about deliberating practice, how math teachers can close the professional, <laughs> professional uh, development gap. Um, and my dog, Artie, wanted to share a little bit there too. So thank you all so much uh, for joining and being with us tonight. Thank you, Stacey. I really appreciate your flexibility. Thank you.